The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 393. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. McClanahanAcademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. You can also purchase courses there, which is how you can support this show. So I've got a lot of great courses there, more coming up this year. You're going to want to get those. And of course, when you enroll free of charge, you get notifications when those things are coming out. You can also support the show by clicking on that support tab at BrianMcClanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can buy a Brian McClanahan book plate there if you want my autograph on one of my books, which I've got a bunch of those. So if you want those, buy one of the books. Go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can find my books there. Also, you can get your Brian McClanahan Show gear if you click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. So all kinds of cool ways to support the show financially. But also, you can share it around on social media. You can uh, send me show suggestions. You can rate this podcast wherever you get podcasts. I like to see these things and interact with you. So please consider doing that. We need more people thinking locally and acting locally. All right, well, let's talk about the topic of the day, and this is a Think Locally, Act Locally episode. And I'm going to bring it up in a way that I think would de-escalate some of the things that are going on right now in American politics. We live in a pretty dangerous time, I think. Americans are angry, and if you go back and you look at my list of shows, here we are on episode, what, 393, if you go back over the years and shows that I've done, I did a show years ago, Why Americans Are So Angry. And this is basically a corollary to that because you're seeing it spill over now in ways that, and, and frankly, I didn't think were imaginable, even when I did that podcast. Cancel culture has taken hold, and I think people are reacting to that. You look at what's happening to Trump. He's being canceled all over the place. It's not just social media. But banks are now canceling. People are refusing to do business with Trump. Trump's going to have a very hard time when this election is over, when this when he's out of office, you know, when, when Biden's inaugurated. And he's going to have a hard time in his private life because of cancel culture. And that's dangerous. If we don't like what you say, now the agenda is to get rid of you. And I remember, you know, I was jokingly, I put on social media, you know, that not really jokingly, but I mean, it, it's true. After this poor woman was shot and killed in the Capitol, the comments for that is that she deserved it. And in fact, an Antifa member was holding up a sign that said this the other day. She deserved it. And I think some people on the right say that about other people on the left as well. We've gotten to a point where, because of your political beliefs, you deserve to die. And I mean, where? how is that American? It's not American to have that particular belief. I mean, not, not if you believe in reciprocal liberty, which we know that not all Americans did. We know that Puritans in Massachusetts didn't necessarily believe in reciprocal liberty, uh, for example. 
We know that different cultures have thought of these things differently, but the idea of reciprocal liberty was something that members of the founding generation generally held sacred. Uh, when you look at the original Federal Republic, the whole idea was to absorb differences and to make it to where you didn't have political violence. But Americans now, if you're on the left or the right, this has become the secular religion. And uh, they're more afraid, and I've talked about this on this podcast before, but they're more afraid of their children marrying somebody of a different political set of beliefs than anything else in society. This is the number one thing. It's no longer are you a, a Baptist or are you a Protestant or Catholic or some of the other things that define people. It's now political beliefs. And the last time we saw this type of amped up rhetoric over belief systems was in really the uh, 17th century, 16th century in Europe when you had literally Protestants and Catholics slaughtering each other on the streets. You go to France and you look at what was happening in France in the, in the 17th century and how uh, you had severe violence over these things. Because politics has been elevated to the status of religion, this is exactly what we're seeing in American society now, and it's dangerous. Now, you're seeing it because I think the media fuels some of this. Most people in their everyday lives don't think this. I mean, you have friends, I'm sure, that are of different political persuasions. You may not agree with them, but you're still going to be friends with them. You're still going to be or colleagues. These are people you're not trying to eliminate in the street. In fact, you probably even work with some people you don't agree with. Maybe they're, but they're good coworkers, and you just you have a common job to do, and you see you go get it done. But the fact is, we've gotten to a point now because of the dislocation of American society and the size and status of the United States that makes this very difficult for a lot of people. And because social media amplifies this stuff, and because there's there's it's impersonal. You know, you go on social media, you can say whatever you want. You're not trying to confront that person to their face. This becomes the other part of it. How many of these things would you actually say to somebody's face? How many, how many times would you, if somebody is being very aggressive online, would they actually do that in person? Well, some of this is now spilling over, though, into in-person confrontations, and, and that is getting rather dangerous. So I want to talk about this particular article that came out in the Huffington Post today, the Huff Post, and it was posted on Drudge Report, and it's about you know potential violence, and the, the the uh, link at Drudge said something like, oh, it says assassination threat. Assassination threat. Now, the, the actual title is, this is by Matt Fuller at the HuffPost. The actual title is House Democrats Briefed on Three Terrifying Plots to Overthrow Government. One plot includes surrounding the Capitol and murdering Democrats to allow Republicans to take control of the government. So we have... Now, this article, I mean, I've seen some other things. There's a lot of chatter out there, a lot of chatter. How do these people know there's a lot of chatter? I mean, what are they doing? But I'm going to read this article, and I want to comment on it as we go through it. I want to talk about what the real problem here is. It's not, it, I mean, of course, any type of this is just idiotic to say these things. But the real problem is, uh, the and the core of it is Lincolnian nationalism. And I'll and explain why as I go through this. Washington. Capitol Police briefed Democrats on Monday night about three more potentially gruesome demonstrations planned in the coming days. Just think about the language here that's being used. This is yellow journalism in some ways at its best. If you go back and you look at the, the advent of yellow journalism in 
the 19th century and how that was described as, uh, you know, how the concentration camps in Cuba were described. Yellow journalism was vivid language, the objective being to elicit a response, an emotional response to the piece. And you think about the language, terrifying plots, murdering Democrats, gruesome demonstrations, assassinate Democrats, and some Republicans. Of course, that's not in the title, but it's brought up Republicans could be subjected to this as well. On a private call Monday night, new leaders of the Capitol Police told House Democrats they were closely monitoring three separate plans that could pose serious threats to members of Congress as Washington prepares for Democrat Joe Biden's presidential inauguration on January 20th. The first is a demonstration billed as the largest armed protest ever to take place on American soil. Another is a protest in honor of Ashley Babbitt, the woman killed while trying to climb into the Speaker's lobby during Wednesday's pro-Trump siege of the Capitol. And another demonstration, which three members said was by far the most concerning plot, would involve insurrectionists forming a perimeter around the Capitol, the White House, and the Supreme Court, and then blocking Democrats from entering the Capitol, perhaps even killing them, so that Republicans could take control of the government. So, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Again, look at the language. Look at the language. Uh, the language that's being used is sensational. Now, how much of this is actually real? I mean, the amount of resources and planning that would be required to do something as idiotic as this would be beyond. I mean, I think people are living in this Arlington Road, uh, you know, fantasy world that somehow there's these right-wing extremists out there trying to take over the government at all times. Okay, look, that may be there, I don't know. But this is kind of fantasy stuff. But of course, the the piece continues, the members of Congress whom HuffPost spoke to on Monday night were extremely concerned by the call. It was pretty overwhelming, one member said. Of course, not naming this member. Why not? I mean... Why don't, I mean, if these people are really, look, we got it. We got to do something about this. Officials on the call warned lawmakers about sharing too much information with the media, saying that divulging specific dates, times, and countermeasures could aid the organizers of the plots. HuffPost is not disclosing certain information, such as who appears to be organizing these plots and when they are to take place. So how, I mean, come on. How do you know that any of this is actually real? I mean, sometimes you have to question that. Now, I'm not saying that this couldn't be real. It might be real. People might be this stupid to go about and do something like this. And that would be horrible. But at the same time, I have to point out where this is coming from. It is a disease of nationalism. The whole idea that somehow the Republicans would, number one, go along with this is just completely stupid. Number two, that this would solve all the problems in America, that what we have to do is take over the U.S. government in a violent overthrow of the government. This is just idiotic stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's fantasy world, and it's stupid. What really needs to happen is something entirely different, and I'll get into that in a minute. One member was explicit that these groups were trying to get journalists to report on their demonstrations. Some of their main communications organizers have been cut off, so they've 
purposely trying to get the media to report on this as a way to further disseminate information and to attract additional support for their attacks, this member said. Again, I mean, why? And I said, well, this is going to be secret because these people could pull it off. Really? I mean, come on. Uh, Again, some of this, I think, is hyperbole. Some of the main communications, I just said there, Democrats were told that the Capitol Police and the National Guard were preparing for potentially tens of thousands of armed protesters coming to Washington and were establishing rules of engagement for warfare. In general, the military and police don't plan to shoot anyone until one of these rioters fires, but there could be exceptions. I don't even know what to say about this anymore. Uh, This is, you want to talk about getting people amped up, this is it. Really what should happen in this, there shouldn't even be a piece on this. If this was really true, then all of this would, in many ways, would be under the radar. And the Huffington Post wouldn't even report on any of it. But they're doing this because the agenda is, of course, to make just Trump supporters in general, anybody that supports Trump, anybody on the right, even the people that would, rightfully so, denounce something as stupid as this potential happening. All of you are thrown in with that. All of you are thrown in with that. Lawmakers are told the plot to encircle the Capitol also included plans to surround the White House so that no one can harm Trump and the Supreme Court simply to shut down the courts. Yeah, I mean, that's going to shut down the courts, right? Blocking the Supreme Court. This is how stupid this is because there aren't any other federal courts out there. <laughs> I mean, come on now. The plan to surround the Capitol includes assassinating Democrats as well as Republicans who didn't support Trump's effort to overturn the election, allowing other Republicans to enter the building and control the government. Well, that would mean that these Republicans would have to be on board with this kind of thing, and you're just not going to see that. This is where all this stuff is just fantasy land. It's just stupid fantasy land. All these plots may never materialize. No, you don't think, right? You don't think so. All these plots may never materialize. How about none of these plots will materialize? But we're going to write an article about it anyways because we want to instill fear in people and get them to think that Trump supporters are just violent extremists and they have to be shut down. On the other hand, any Trump supporter that thinks you're going to change this from the inside out after just paying attention for four years is delusional. And I'll talk about that again. The Capitol Police have established a new perimeter with fencing and razor wire. The National Guard has already been called in to help protect the Capitol and lawmakers. But while Capitol Police assured members they were prepared for these terrorist plots, there was obvious concern from a number of lawmakers. Again, look at the yellow journalism here. One topic of discussion was the need to put up put every member of Congress through a mental, metal detector before the inauguration. A member on the call told HuffPost there was an eyes-wide-open realization that Capitol Police needed to take precautions against all these members who were in league with the insurrectionists who loved to carry their guns. I mean, again, fantasy. Yeah, so these lawmakers who are in league with these people, they're all part of it. They're part of an insurrection. This is fantasy stuff that people have been watching too many television shows. Ridiculous. You can't just let them bypass security and walk right up to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris at inauguration, this lawmaker told HuffPost. Which law? So this lawmaker is actually accusing other members of Congress of trying to assassinate Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Can you believe it? I mean, this is how stupid this stuff is. I highly, I mean, these, this, is the, this is, again, dangerous. This is actually a dangerous piece. More than anything else, this is a dangerous piece. You want to talk about journalism that's irresponsible. This is it right here. 
Another area of concern was the Trump administration's involvement in tamping down an insurrection. I don't think anyone has confidence that the folks at the Pentagon that may or may not even be needed for some of this or the Department of Homeland Security, where we don't even know who is in charge, are going to be cooperative, one member told Huff. So, I mean, look, the, I mean, we're on our own in Congress here. We got we to gotta do something. Nobody's going to help us out. Okay. This member mentioned how... Uh, this member. I wonder if it's just one member. I wonder if this is Maxine Waters or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or you know one of these people. Who knows who it is? This member mentioned how the briefing has underscored the wisdom of Twitter suspending Trump's account, as well as tens of thousands of action accounts associated with the right-wing conspiracy theory QAnon, and said the decision to cut off the social media platform parlor looked a lot smarter given the efforts to recruit armed extremists to come to the nation's capital in coming days. It's a decision, it's a decision that may ultimately save lives, this member said. Yeah. You see, because Trump supporters are just violent, when most of them are not. I actually uh, know somebody, followed his, uh, follow his account, he, he posted on uh, social media, that he was at the rally, and you know, he didn't see any of this stuff. Most people are already turned around going home. The people that did these things, it was a fringe group of these people. And most people were there just to cheer and, you know, say we're gonna we're gonna support the president, whatever the case may be. Most of us are feeling that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, one of the lawmakers who spoke to HuffPost said members of Congress were all experiencing difficult reactions to the storming of the Capitol last week. Most of us are feeling that, this Democrats Democrat said. We're also feeling that we don't have time to indulge too much of it. That this is not about us. This is about the job that's way bigger than us. And we're just going to suck it up and get through it. And we'll talk about how nutty it is on the other side. Right. I mean, these heroic members of Congress. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, we got we to gotta be careful with all these people. Now, let me talk about how nationalism is really the disease here again. You see, the appropriate response to all of this, and I mentioned this in a company, you know, think, uh, Thinking Locally Works, that's the appropriate response here. We want peace. People want peace, and they want to be able to live their lives left and right. This is not this is not ideologically driven. This is people on the left and the right looking to lead their lives the way they want to lead their lives, looking to do things to better themselves. Uh, they want to you know be financially secure. They want to have provide a good home, have a good job. For, I mean, this is most Americans, and not everyone thinks this way, but they want to have a good home and a good job, raise their families, do what they can do to do the best they can in the world. And I get that. I think that anybody who doesn't think that that's the case for probably 90% of Americans is, is just, again, delusional. So what we're looking at here with this particular situation is nationalism infecting people to the point where this is the only government that matters. Surrounding the Supreme Court somehow is going to shut down the federal courts. You think about the stupidity in just that statement alone. You could cut it with a knife. It's that stupid. Or the idea that somehow of surrounding the White House to protect Trump, that, that is a coup. That's not American. That's not the American thing to do. You don't support uh, essentially an elected monarchy to somehow think this is going to prop something up or to think that members of Congress are going to go in and take out other members of Congress or the, pre the, the president. Of the United I mean, this is just idiotic talk. Nobody's going to do that. Joe Biden, in many ways, is not the issue here. It's not Joe Biden. It's the threat of 
the the fear of unfair elections in the future. And I think that the left, for I mean, gosh, how long did they talk about unfair elections? We don't want unfair elections. Now the right saying that all these elections are fair. You think about the hypocrisy in that. For years in Georgia, for example, from the time Stacey Abrams lost, she complained about how unfair the elections are. And now that, that the Democrats win, these elections are completely fair, completely above the board. No problems, no fraud, no nothing. But for years, Stacey Abrams has said it's voter suppression, voter fraud, and now there's no voter suppression or voter fraud because they won the election. For years, Democrats have complained about unfair elections. And now that they've won the election, though they don't, though these elections are just above the board, there's no problems. Jimmy Carter was even in on a panel that said that voting machines were problematic because they could lead to voter fraud. I mean, the, the, the digital like Dominion machines and these other things, these internet-connected machines that are being used could lead to voter fraud. Now, that doesn't mean this happened now, but it could. So just the mere question of these things, I mean, this is something everyone, every American should want to get to the bottom of. Do we have fair elections? Do we have free elections? If Joe Biden really was a reconciliationist, and I'll get into this in the next episode of this show, I'm going to talk about some predictions for Biden. He would do a couple of things that he's not going to do, but he would do them. If he really wanted to bring the country together. But that said, I think the way out of this is local action. Back in the American War for Independence, you had a tremendous amount of local action leading up to that particular time period. And, and the decentralized nature of the American colonies actually made it difficult for the British to enforce their will all over the place. The decentralized nature of towns made it hard for the British to enforce their will on uh, the American colonies and the American towns themselves because these towns had operated so independently for so long. I mean, in Virginia, for example, the towns could nullify laws coming from Richmond. They could just say, we're not going to enforce it. So the, the local sheriff had a lot of control. And you saw this also in Massachusetts and other places in New England. So you had a decentralized nature, and these decentralized areas represented the political culture of those communities. This is why we developed a federal republic, a federal system coming out of the American War for Independence. Now, some thought it was too weak, it needed to be strengthened a little bit, but having this federal system in place would ensure that you, would, you could absorb these differences. One of the reasons why Americans are so angry now, why they believe that there are going to be problems for the next four years is because they see 50 people controlling the other 50 people. Even if we say that Joe Biden, all the 7 million plus votes that he got over Trump were all legitimate, they're all legitimate votes. I mean, okay, they're all legitimate. That's still 7 million people essentially controlling 320 million people. If you think of it this way, it's 7 million people controlling 320 million people. Now, is that fair? Is that, is that real democracy? If you put 100 people in a room, you said 50 people could control the other 50? Is that fair? Because that's what we have in America right now. And then when you throw in the fact that out of those 50 people that are controlling the other 50, a few of the people can control what the other 50 who are in power can say and where they can publish things and what they can do and how they can think, well, now you're creating a whole other monster in and of itself, and that's the social media clampdown. That's the way that people have access to information. So is this the right thing to do? Is this what we really want? But if you think about this in terms of smaller, you know, in some places in New Hampshire, for example, you've got, uh, you've got rep a representative ratio there of about two to 3,000 to one. So you've got a much more decentralized system in place that allows for greater opinions and greater diversity of public sentiment. Now, 
the political culture of New Hampshire is its own thing, and what might work in New Hampshire may not work in other parts, even in New England. We see that in the South, too. But the fact is, the way out of this is to start thinking small and working within your family and growing out from there. You take care of your family, you get a community going, you get people to think like you, and the, the real reaction here should be stop paying attention to Washington, D.C. Not trying to take Washington, D.C., but stop paying attention to Washington, D.C. They only have so much control over your lives. And the fa- in fact, when the government shuts down, nobody really even notices. This is how unimportant Washington, D.C. really is, unless you're in the military or you work for the federal government. When they shut down, nobody notices. When your state shuts down or your city shuts down, you're going to notice pretty quick because you're not going to have police, you're not going to have fire protection, you're not going to have water, you may not have sewer. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have those things in your local government, your trash collection. All of those things would just shut down. And then, of course, your state, you're gonna, they're going to provide other services that the, uh, the local governments do not. But your real power is in the local government. This is why all this energy and all this vitriol directed at who's president of the United States is just absolutely insane and stupid. It should be, you should be refocusing that energy and that effort on getting free from the central authority and doing everything you can. And I'll use, you know, Parler shut down, for example. I never went to any of these other social media platforms, alternate platforms, uh, because one reason, I don't like to go out and do all these things. But the other is that, uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to be around five years from now. But Gab, the site Gab did something that was interesting. They built their own server room. So they've got their own servers. They're completely independent from everybody else. And Parler's probably going to have to do something like that, too, which is very expensive. But I think some conservatives will probably come in and finance this stuff. They want to have their alternate sites. And I think this is where we're getting to now. It's, it's, it's balkanization. Um, but what it really needs to be focused on is trying to create an environment of independence in America, free from the central authority, free from the political establishment, because that's how you're going to make changes in the United States. It's not going to be from the inside out. It's not going to be from the top down. It's going to be from the outside in and from the bottom up. And when you create independence among people, well, you create a a monster that cannot be tamed. And what I mean by that is they don't need you anymore. So they're just going to start ignoring you. And I think that's the more important move and the more the peaceful move. You just start ignoring them. That's where you really start to make changes. And that's I mean, Americans are angry. These people are angry because they think that if Trump's out, everything's going to be different. Everything's going to be awful in the, in the United States. And we're going to see some bad policies. And look, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. There's going to be some bad things. But in reality, if you had hedges already designed to filter out these things and block stuff, well, it wouldn't matter what happens in Washington, D.C. You just stop paying attention to it. That was the design of the Federal Republic to begin with. And having less power centralized... The opponents of the document made it clear they were fearful of centralization. The proponents of the document made it clear we were not going to have centralization. And in my first course, you're going to get that. This new course coming up, first part one, you're going to get this all through the four parts. But I'm going to talk about that and how this was the way the Constitution was sold. There would be no centralization. You get centralization, the Constitution is never ratified. All right. So... I mean, we're, again, in very strange times. People are losing their minds. They're doing really stupid things. 
the the best thing to do is to keep your head and start, keep focusing on the local. Join that school board. Get involved in that city council meeting. Your HOA even, your homeowners association. Get involved in these things to try to make a world that you enjoy living in. Because at the end of the day, that's the best you can do anyways. And if Americans did this on a regular basis, we would stop paying attention to Washington, D.C. so much. And Washington, D.C. would in so many ways become irrelevant. And that is the ultimate goal. Make Washington irrelevant. For the left and the right, make it irrelevant. The left is never going to get there entirely because they believe in federal power too much. They believe in the federal government helping them out too much. But certainly... If you create an environment where you have the local mattering more than anything else, you're going to make Washington pretty uncomfortable and pretty irrelevant in that way. You don't have to, I mean, this is just, you know, everyday lives doing things that can change your life on a, on a physical basis. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McLean Show. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.